Hey guys, welcome back to the Pennies to Pounds podcast with your host Kate. And this is a podcast where I aim to dispel myths, simplify difficult financial jargon and rectify your own personal financial problems. So you're probably wondering why we're here today. Why, why are we back? You already had an episode this week. So I'm going to try and implement, try being the operative word, two episodes a week. You guys have given me overwhelming feedback and it's been so positive and I have to thank every single one of you for listening. If you've just newly tuned in, thank you. Um, if you're existing, thank you guys. Welcome to the family. It's great to be here. Um, but I'm going to try and release two episodes a week. And this episode I'm going to call Penny Problems. Not an inventive name, but, you know, I feel like Pennies to Pounds was a great name for me. You know, I'm really, really bad at making up names, but I think that was great for me. But this is the episode which will come out on Fridays where I'm going to try and help you guys with your own questions and problems that you've sent in to me. So just a little disclaimer, um, all the advice that I mention in this episode is all what I'd do if I was in your situation. You have to have a certain qualification to give tailored financial advice. I haven't yet gotten that. I am in, I am in the process of getting that. But as it stands, I'm going to give you advice based on what I would do if I were in your shoes. So if you choose to implement it, that's fine. If you choose not to, that's fine. But guys, I'm not liable for anything that may go wrong If I, from any advice I've given you. This is just purely what i do if I were in your situation. So I put on my Twitter. If you don't already have me, um, you can follow me. That's on Ikea. I-K-E-E-Y-A-H underscore. You guys already know how I feel about that underscore, but that's where you can find me. So I tweeted and I said to you guys to send me any questions that you have because I'll be answering them in this podcast. Um, And you guys gave me some... Do you know, there's one question which really, really, really was hilarious. I got it last night. Um, But they're all going to be anonymous. So if you put your names in there, thank you so much. But I'm not going to say any names. Just going to read them out and try my best to answer them the best way I can. The way I do it. Okay? So I'm going to go with the funny one. The funny one first. So this one, I can't say this word properly. So guys, don't come for me. But... Wait, how does the song go? Because they say in ah, uh, so the the subject is I need a is it Patek Patek I don't even know and that's what he said yeah he said how many years will it take me to buy a bus down earning nine to five <laughs> honey honey I I don't know I don't do you know what guys I'm absolutely here to give you my advice but I can't even pronounce the word properly let alone be able to tell you how you can afford a bus down. Baby, maybe play the lottery. I don't know, become famous. I have no idea. I don't know. But that one was hilarious. I had to put that one first because that one literally made me laugh. Um, so let's go through to another one. Cool, so th- there's one here. I'm gonna read this out to you now. It says, hi. So from 18 till now, I'm currently 20. I have saved and managed to fund all my driving lessons, everything to do with university and holidays. Since I'm turning 21 soon, it's time to start thinking about the future. Any advice on saving for a mortgage and wedding, since it'll probably be done without the help from my parents, whilst also putting coins aside for my enjoyment. I want to buy my first car soon, keep traveling. I currently um, save for small stuff using pots on Monzo, but for life, I'm not too sure. Hope this wasn't too long. Thank you for this. Well, well, well. I'm the same as you. So I actually... What did I... Do you know what? I was saving from young. I've said this before. I started saving from 16. Um, and right now, I'm 21. I have a car. 
I'm trying to save for my first mortgage too. So we are in the same boat. And when it comes to me, so I've all, you, you guys already know, I scream plum to the death of me. I'm going to put a link in the podcast notes so you can have a look if you can't find it. But I use plum for my extra little, you know, save up round of the coins. I go, I go more in depth about it in the first episode, but I love plum. But I'd recommend if you want to be disciplined and you want to save money for your house, then I'd recommend a help to buy ISA. So if you're not too sure what that is, then I have a thread on it on my Twitter. I'm going to do an episode on it coming soon. But help to buy ISA. No, help to buy. Will I say help to buy? Help to buy purely because I say help to buy over last time for this one. I'd get that purely because you're able to put in 200 pounds per month. It's 1,200 for the first month is the maximum you can put in. And then 200 pounds maximum per month thereafter. Um, the minimum you need to have in their account in that ISA account is one pound. And there is no stipulation. Obviously double check with the bank, but in general, most banks don't have a stipulation for a certain amount you need to put in every month. So that gives you more flexibility to save your money in there. Obviously, if you use that money in that pot towards your first house, that gives you about five years to save up £12,000. Because that's if you add it all up, that's the time frame. Um, then you also get the government bonus for an extra £3,000. But if you want to use it towards um, a wedding, for example, imagine you get, get married in that next two, three years. Um, then you can also withdraw it without any kind of penalty. You'll get some interest on your money. So you get a bit of extra money on top anyway. So that's what I'd recommend because you can easily take it out and use it whenever you need to. So that's what I would do personally. But I also wouldn't stress. Do you know what I mean? Like life for the living, I would probably work out. So I'd work out my finances. Let's say, um, let's say I earn, do, 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 let's say I earn 600 pounds a month. Yeah. And I'm saying, you know what, for bills and everything, and for living, I need 400. Cool? So that's that's covered all my bills and everything else. So there's 200 left over, which I don't really need. So I'd probably put 100 into my help to buy ISR and then put 100 into the separate savings account to save just for just for general. So you have it in there building up. So if your friends come back to you six months later and say, you know what? You know what? We're going on girls' holiday. We're going to Bali. Then you've got money in that little pot separate just for, you know, frivolous things and leisure activities. So that's what I would do if that were me. So I hope that helped you a little bit. That's what I would do. Moving on to the next question. So we've got one here. This one says, hi Kay, I have a finance related question. Do you have any advice for uni students slash young people who are looking to build their credit score? And are you able to explain how credit scores can affect future decisions? The whole thing confuses the hell out of me, but I've been told it's important. Also, loved your first podcast, girl. Thank you, lovely. Credit scores are something that you should really, really be on top of. And I know I've spoken to so many people about credit scores. Some people have no idea what it is, so they've never seen it. Some people are scared to see their credit score, so they just don't even want to bother signing up for Experian or Totally Money or anything like that, which will show your credit score. That is something that you should really, really get on top of. And I know being in uni, um, you know what? When I was in uni, I was in debt. My first year, oh my gosh. My first year, I was in so much debt. So if I go into that quickly, I went to uni... Um, do you know, I left everything last minute. I got my accommodation two weeks before I was meant to go. I went to Coventry and I'd never seen the city before. All my friends had visited their uni. I had never been. My dad was like, don't you want to go see? I was like, no, 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 no. Leave it all for, like, just surprise. You know what I mean? I don't know what I'm going to expect. So we'll surprise myself. So when we first drove up there, I was like, right, okay, this is what Cov's about. This is what Cov's telling me. Okay, cool. Move into my accommodation. And my 
my, 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 my accommodation cost me 6K for the year. Student finance gave me 5.8K. Already you can hear there's an issue. I didn't have enough money to live off. I didn't have enough money for rent. So I was already into, in debt. When it came to my final few months, I couldn't, I used half my student loan in that month, well, you know, the final installment to live off because I literally had no money. I wasn't working at uni. I couldn't find a job up in Coventry. I found like a Christmas temp job and then that was it. I didn't last any longer. So I didn't have any money and I had to live. So I siphoned off half of it and I had to obviously pay that half back for my, um, for my rent. So I had to, I think I was in debt for with like, 600 pounds and it doesn't sound like a lot but when you're an unemployed girl in first year of uni and you have no prospect of finding that money that was that was scary i asked my dad my dad said nope he said trust me you're gonna thank me later on that i'm not helping you because you have to figure it out yourself so i was like oh my gosh and they were literally sending me demand letters they're putting on um interest i think it was 100 pounds every single time they sent me a letter and they sent me letters like every two weeks i was like oh my gosh what do i do um, so from then I had to, I got a job in London. I think in my first month I worked something crazy, like 130 hours. And out of the paycheck I got, I only got to spend 200 of it because the rest had to go to pay off my debts. I had so many debts. And I remember my friend had to pay for my coach ticket from Coz to London so I can make the initial interview. I prayed, I've never prayed so hard to get that job because I couldn't even afford to come down from Cov. I got it, thank God. Honestly, thank him so much. Um, worked my ass off that whole month and then I was able to pay, pay back my debts. So even though I didn't have much money left over for that first month, I was grateful that I had no more debts looming over me. So back to your initial question. Um, if I let that debt linger over my head, my credit score would have been appalling. And I'd never looked at my credit score prior to that point. So it's something that you should really, really look at because it can really affect you in the future if you get into like fraud um because you think of the quick buck as opposed to thinking of the future repercussions it can really 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 affect you because everyone thinks well no you know what it's all right in the future i'm gonna buy my house outright this this that there's things like car insurance simple things like even just getting a phone bill taking out um, a phone contract and getting like the new iPhone or whatever on a contract you won't be able to do because your credit, co credit, co your credit score is so poor that they even won't let it to you. So it's something that you should really, really keep an eye on. Um, don't stress yourself over it right now while you're at uni, live your life, but just make sure, you know, if there's anything, any kind of strikes against your name, you should be on it, especially if you haven't done it, then you want to be hot on the tail and call your bank up and be like, yo, this this is nothing to do with me. We need to get rid of that. Um, so yeah, that's what I that's what I do. I'd recommend that. Um, let's go for another one. Do 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 do. Mm. Cool. So here's another one. It says, hey girl, I have a question. Do you think it is better to remove excess money from your bank account and put it into savings before slash just after payday to allow you to budget with your month's wages only? Your advice is amazing, so thank you for starting the podcast. Thank you so much, lovely. Me personally, um, so I've mentioned this before, I learned from my friend. So what she does is she saves her money, so she gets paid, yeah? Let's say she gets paid, I don't know, let's make an arbitrary amount. She gets paid £1,000 a month, yeah? She works crazy hours, £1,000 a month. So she chooses to do 70-30, so 70% is her spending, 30% is her saving. So she puts £300 away, and she spends 700 
cool. That pays for her bills, whatever. When payday now comes around, um, she has a surplus of, let's say, 150 pounds. Yeah, 150 that she doesn't need to use for bills. She's paid off all her bills. She's done her, you know, ledger activities for the month and she's getting paid again tomorrow. 150 pounds sitting in her account. What she does is she takes 150, puts it in savings. So now her savings gone up from 300 to 450 and she carries on again with the new month's wages. That's what I, that's what I do. Um, that what well, I think that's a really, really good way because I mean, you, if you were going to use it, you would have used it. So if you have a surplus of money, why not just increase your savings? Just put it in your savings and then start again because if you needed it, you would have spent it and then that's fine. If you don't have a surplus, so if you hear me saying this, you think, you know, raw, like I get to payday and I'm there like scratching for the pennies. I don't have the surplus of money, then that's fine. You don't need to have the surplus of money. But if you do, I just recommend you put it to savings because why not? There's things that I'm sure you're saving for. You may not have like a set goal at the moment, but the way life's coming at all of us fast, um, there's houses around the corner. If you haven't got a car yet, there's cars. There's so many things. If you have got a house, you're gonna like. There's, you know, what? I feel like saving never ends. There's always something else that you could get and you want to get, and you'd save up the money for it. So why not? That's why I'd say why not. Here's another one. Straight to the point. I have a cypher's mark from doing stupid fraud at a young age. How do I remove it, and how will it affect my ability to get jobs slash houses etc. in the future? So for those of you who don't know, a ciphers, I can't remember the abbreviation right now, but a ciphers mark is basically the mark that will go in your credit score if you have been involved in fraudulent activities. So let's say, let's take myself for example, let's say, so I had the opportunity when I was back at uni in first year. Some of the guys that my friends and I used to hang around with were really heavy into fraud. And they came to us, there was about five of us, girls they approached us and said yo we can get you easy money don't worry we got you like they were like yeah we got you guys like we're never gonna let you guys get into no trouble don't worry you can trust us so out of the five of us i was the only person to not do it so the four of them trusted them went into it gave them their card details whatever whatever one of my friends she did the whole whatever they had to do she went to go and pick up the money whatever however it works she went to go and do that I said, I'm not going to be a part of that. I want nothing to do with it. As much as it was tempting, because I remember I told you in first year, I was broke. I was in debt. It was so tempting. But I was like, you know what? My future self will thank me for not doing it. And trust me, I do. Um, with her, she had an ISA. So before I fully knew what an ISA was, an ISA? Wow. Before I fully knew what an ISA was, she had an ISA that her parents had opened up for her. And that was for her and in the future saving for a house. And they had put £3,000 into that ISA for her. That was, I'm going to assume now, with my knowledge of ISAs, that was probably helped to buy or cash ISA that she could just dip into. She didn't. She left it there. She had no need for it. The boys who had her account details, because she gave them her online login, everything, her card, her card details, and they said that they'll give it back to her in a week. They didn't give it back to her. They didn't give her any of the money that they promised. I think they promised to give her £2,000. Um, they didn't give her back any of the money she promised, and they took the £3,000 from her ISA account. She never saw that back. I don't even know how she told her parents, but that was gone. All because she wanted some extra money. So if you're thinking about fraud and you think, you know what, but maybe, but this guy said, but my boyfriend said, sis, don't do it. Just don't do it. Learn from my friend what she had to go through. Just don't do it. If, however, you have done it, and I'm not judging you, I'm just saying if you have gone through it and you've done it, um, even if it was done on your account and you didn't realize, that's two separate scenarios. But we'll talk about if you have done it, 
um, and now it's backfired, and now it's on your 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 crack. Oh, can't talk today, and now it's on your credit record. So they're quite hard. Uh, a close friend of mine also had that happen as well. They tend to stay on your your credit score and your credit file for five years. So there isn't anything you can really do to get them off unless you were you have proof that you had nothing to do with it. If you had nothing to do with it, then you need to chase down the banks, whoever issued it. You need to go go to them, be on be on the phone with them, send them letters, emails, whatever to make sure that that's gone. If it was you and you put your hands up, you know what, it was me. It was stupid of me. I shouldn't have done it. That's unfortunately going to stay on your credit file for five years. So the way it will affect you is that you probably won't be able to, you might have an account now, if you do, you're lucky, as long as it wasn't with, so some people do it with the bank that they bank with, and obviously when you're younger, you tend to have one bank account. So if that's closed down, it's gonna be a lot harder for you to get another account. If you already have an account, and that's fine for you, then that's okay. If, you ha- if you've had your account closed down, then places like um, Royal Mail, they have their own like basic accounts. You Chances are, Nine times out of ten, you'll be able to open up one of them. So in the five-year interim, where you're waiting for that to come off your your file, bank of them, just they usually just like um, what they call cash cards. So you can't you can't necessarily pay online. It's literally going to the cash point, withdraw, boom. A lot of them now have contactless, so you're a bit more high tech. But yeah, um, you won't be able to take out loans and credit cards unfortunately because you've got that fraudulent um, mark against your name. So it's highly unlikely to be able to take out anything like that. And if you do, if you are able to take out a credit card, it'll probably be something with some crazy, like a thousand percent interest that you'll be paying back on the money. So again, it's not worth it. The only way it'll affect you in jobs is typically it's fine, but if it's like a finance or banking job where they, they these kind of jobs run credit checks on you because they don't want fraudsters working for them. So that's where you'll be hindered in that sense until that disappears. But even when it does disappear, um, in terms of banking jobs and finance jobs, you probably won't, be able to get them because they can run really, really intense credit scores and they will be able to see that you did that in your past. I mean, you never know. They might give you the benefit of the doubt and say you were young and blah, blah, but chances are they probably won't. But in general, you should be fine with jobs as long as it's not finance and money related. Not talking like working, you know, until I'm talking about properly finance, managing big sums of money. Um, But if you're not and you're just working part-time or whatever, then you should be fine. Just like I said, you might not be able to open up accounts the way you want to. You might not be able to get out loans the way you want to. Um, but that's about it. If I were you, I would just wait it out. I don't know how long it's been so far. Wait it out. The five-year mark will come and go, and then you'll, you'll find that everything's fine again. You can open up accounts fine. You should be able to take out credit cards again. Everything should be fine. So that's what I'd do if I were you. Let's do one more one more question let's have a look cool so let's do this one this one says hi Kay. loved your podcast and all the threads one of the replies to the thread actually inspired me to switch accounts because hsbc were offering 75 pounds so thank you you're welcome i was wondering if you've had a help to buy clothes used it to buy a house in 2018 are you not ever able to get the lifetime isa bonus i read somewhere that because you'd received the help to buy bonus you're not eligible for the lifetime isa one Basically, wondering if it's worth uh, wondering if it's worth me opening one, or if I should go for a different savings account. Thank you so much. You're such an inspiration. Thank you, lovely. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Um, so you're right. What you read was correct. The so you can if you have neither, you can open up the help to buy and the lifetime 
perfectly fine. However, you can only get a bonus on one. So because it's meant to facilitate the purchase of your first property, as you told me you did in 2018, you had help to buy. Um, you Typically the government, they won't give you the bonus twice because you've, you've bought your first property, you've, you've done it. You've fulfilled what the help to buy was meant to do. It's helped you to buy your first property. So they won't actually give the bonus out again um, with the lifetime ISA. So you'll still be able to um, accrue the interest, but unfortunately you won't be able to get the bonus on top of the money that you save. So if that were me, um, maybe you, you can still open up one if you think that the interest rate is good enough, but you might wanna consider looking into higher, um, saving accounts with higher interest rates so you can get a higher return on your money. Um, but yeah, I probably wouldn't open up a lifetime because obviously you're not gonna benefit from the bonus. Plus you will still get penalized for withdrawing your money early because you're not gonna use it towards your first property because you've already done that. So you'll be using it towards retirement, which is the other option. And chances are you're not gonna wait until 65 to use that money. You're gonna wanna use it before, which means that you get penalized 25% on your money for withdrawing your own money. So me personally, I wouldn't necessarily say that a lifetime is the one I consider. I'd probably consider other saving routes. There are tons of ones you can get um, ISAs where you can they invest in stocks and shares you can get ones where there's tons there's so many out there i just have a little research and see what was best for me because ultimately you want one where if times was to get tough and you wanted to withdraw your money you can do so without having to think oh my gosh i you know i want to get charged x amount for withdrawing my money you want to be able to just withdraw it with ease and take it out as and when you need it so yeah, thank you for your questions, guys. I've still got more that I haven't been through. So if you sent me in one and you haven't heard your question um, answered, then next week I will go through the... Oh, I can't talk today. Wow. Then next week I will go through them again. Um, thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast. If you're new, thank you for being here. If you're existing, love you guys. If you want to send in a question or a dilemma that you have... You can send it over to my email. That's info at pennies2pounds.co.uk. It's also in my Twitter bio and my Instagram bio, if you forget that. You can follow me on Instagram. That's Ikea, I-K-W-E-Y-A-H. Twitter is Ikea as well, but with an underscore. You know how I feel about that underscore. But yeah, until the next time, hopefully again next Friday. I want to try and keep up the momentum but my schedule's getting a little bit busier. But I'm gonna try and just pre-record these and have these ready for you guys so you guys can have a little listen. But yeah, until next time, thank you for tuning in again. Bye.